realize that uh, it is Christmas and uh, a lot of things going on with family. Uh, you know, several of our folks aren't here this morning just because of the way the holiday is and uh, the way things go. You do need to get Luke chapter number one, if you will. Luke chapter number one. I am I'm often, uh, again, it's the Christmas season. We've been studying other things. We'll, we'll conclude that study next Sunday uh, on how to enjoy the Bible. But this morning, I just wanted to look at something here in Luke 1. And uh, again, as we come to the, uh, the, the Christmas season, it is one of the most known stories in Scripture. And outside of the, of the Easter story, if you will, the death, burial, and resurrection, the birth of Christ is the next, it is the, actually it is number one when, you, when they do the surveys and so forth of the, the stories in the Bible that are well known and most people know. If you talk about the flood, people kind of know that one. They don't, a little bit of this or that. But the birth of Christ is one that everybody seems to know. And yet, so then as a preacher, a teacher, sometimes it gets to be a struggle to come up with a new point of view. Because, we've been, you know, you, I got my, my uh, Christmas me- messages all together in a, in a, uh, in a paper clip. So I go back, okay, I did that one last year. And I date them when I taught them so that I know when I taught them and I try not to repeat. So, but this year we're going to do something a, a little, uh, we're going to talk about some things here in Luke 1. And just really look at uh, uh, from a different point of view, if you will, than we're normally thinking about uh, the, the birth of Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ is born, and he does come into this world, but he comes into this world for a very specific reason. He lives his life intentionally, and that, so that he can lay his life down, so that he can pick it back up so that he could give you and I eternal life when we believe and trust that message. And that's really when you think, when you, cru- when you get down, boil down to the brass tacks, is really what's happening. When the Lord Jesus Christ, Luke chapter number one, gives great detail here, uh, it's, it's an interesting thing when we studied through uh, the scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels, As the four Gospels portray the Lord in those four prophetic uh, pictures, uh, Matthew the king, Mark the servant, Luke the man, and then John, who he is, the son of God. And in Matthew and in Luke, we have have information about his uh, incarnation and the nativity scenes, if you will, and so forth. But in Luke, Luke focuses in on the man, Christ Jesus. And we have great information really in Luke chapter number one that dispels a lot of the traditional thought out there. At this time of year, uh, December 25th was not when the Lord was born. Okay, he was born late, late September. But Luke, but December 25th, late December, something miraculously does happen here. And that is the conception of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you, and you gather those points and those facts and, the, and that interest thing there from the details here in Luke 1 and the, and the birth information about around John the Baptist. And then you come to verse 26. 
So I just want to, just, I just, we're just kind of jump in here about Mary, some things that Gabriel says to Mary, and some of the, uh, of these scenes that sometimes we just kind of read over, we don't really think about. And I'd like us to just spend a few minutes this morning thinking about them. And I know when you look at the list on the, and everything, it looks like a lot, but we'll go quicker through it than what is up there this morning. Luke chapter 1, start reading here with me in verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For God, for with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Mary's interaction with Gabriel is a lot different than Zacharias and Elizabeth. Zacharias doubted the angel, questioned the angel, and the angel shut him up, muted him. Mary doesn't say that. What does Mary say? She pondered in her heart, what kind of salutation is this? All right, what's going on now? Now what? And then she says to him the question, how shall this be that since I know not a man? She doesn't ask, she has no question. Actually, verse 38, and Mary said, behold, the handmaiden of the Lord. She knows what Psalms 116 says. She knows, she's a Bible believer. She understands her scriptures. She understands where they're at in the timing. That's why in verse 28, the angel would say that she's highly favored. How, why would she be highly favored over Susie next door? I use Susie because I see Susie, okay? How, 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 is that, how, how is that the case? There's, no, why? She's, she knows Psalm 116. Actually, if you turn the page to verse 46 to 56, where Mary sings her praises of her Savior, the little baby that's going to be born of her, his name's Jesus. By the way, that's Jehovah Saver. That's Savior. That's what Jesus, the, the title means. And then in verse 47, 48, and all the way down, she's quoting Psalms, the whole book of Psalms almost, at every turn. So she is well aware of the season. She's well aware of what's happening. She, ha she has a conversation there with Gabriel, and it's not a Okay, you know, who are you? What are you doing? It's a boom, this is what's going to happen. And here you are, verse 32. You're going to have, 
He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. Isn't that an interesting title? And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. By the way, David's the genealogy line. King David. Joseph, Mary's husband, he's got a genealogy line, Matthew 1 tells us. But it goes through Solomon, and Solomon's line's been cursed. Mary's line goes through Nathan, and Nathan's line has been protected. So there's the claim on the throne through Nathan. Mary, again, we get that in Luke here. And we have this conversation, a wonderful conversation here. By the way, verse 33, here's what he's going to accomplish. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no what? So how long is that kingdom going to last? It isn't going to end. See, it's going to get interrupted. The program is, but once it's established, it's up and running forever. Verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? She understands the, how you're going to have a kid. She's not a, she's not a little, little young girl sitting over in the corner, you know, mending her whatevers and doing, you know, what a tradition says. No, not at all. She's a Bible believer. She understands what's going on. She's actively learning. She's communicating. She's sitting right there in her house. There, her dad is, is listed in chapter 3 there, verse 23, the, the Heli there. And Heli's home, they study the word. They know what's going on. They're clear as a bell as what time is. In, in Luke chapter 2, you have Simeon and then you have Anna show up. And they're well aware of the timing of what's going on and what's happening. And as Galatians 4 says, in the fullness of time, when God sent his forth a son made of a woman, made under the law, right on time. This conversation didn't come out of the blue as far as, oh my goodness, what's going on? There's an angel talking to me. Zacharias had that response, but not Mary. Mary's well aware of, this, of, of, of the timing and what's to happen. And he then, in, so Mary asks that question, how shall this happen if I don't know a man? So now, verse 35, the answer is going to, the answer, the angel's going to answer her, okay? My wife just walked in the room, so she took my breath away, okay? I'm trying to get the points back, okay? <laughs> All right. Anyway, Gabriel answers Mary's question, and he do, and I want us to look at verse 35 this morning. Because usually what happens is everybody focuses in on that holy thing. By the way, that's the title of the message this morning. And they get all mad at your King James Bible, and they want to throw your Bible out, because how in the world can you call the Savior a thing? And that comes from a lack of Bible study and a lack of understanding of what Gabriel is saying here and what the prophets have been saying and what is going to be accomplished here. I'd just like us to spend a few, excuse me, a few minutes looking at it. Notice, the ver, notice verse 35. He's going to give the, the how you're going to have the baby. You don't know a man? Perfect. You're the ver Here's how it's going to happen. And then literally in this verse, we see the whole of the Godhead, the three members of the Godhead. We see God the Father, the highest. We see God the Holy Spirit. And then we see the holy thing, God the Son. And literally we see all three members of the Godhead here. And, and you know what? They're working together. 
They're working in perfect harmony to, to fulfill and to accomplish the timing. And what is time? It's time for Israel's Messiah to come and walk among them. It's time for them to get a taste of Emmanuel, God with us. It's time. And the Godheads come together. By the way, can I do a little, go to Titus 1, just real quick. Titus 1. Hold on to Luke 1. Titus 1. This isn't on your list, but it's, it's time. Titus 1, verse number 2. In hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised. Notice where he promised eternal life. Before the world began. Who was back there before the world began? Nobody but the Godhead. So the Godhead, go back to Luke 1, the Godhead makes a pact. They make a promise with each other to provide eternal life for humanity's problem that's coming. Nothing has been created yet. Genesis 1-1 has not happened. We are before the world began. That's what's so wonderful about Paul's epistles. He tells you what's going on in eternity past. He takes you back there and he paints the picture of here is the Godhead and they're, they're laying out their creation plan. They're laying out their reconciliation plan. They're laying it all out and they take that reconciliation plan and they put it in the pocket and they keep it a secret. But what was the promise? Eternal life. So in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, what do we learn about? The promise of eternal life. He's going to come. The seed line's coming. And when the seed line comes, here it is. And in Luke 1, guess what? It's time for the promise to come. It's time for the Redeemer to come. Right on time. And who's involved? The Godhead. Completely. All three members. The power. Notice verse, back in Luke 1, verse 35. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Now let, let, I want to take apart this, but we're going to go God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Okay? The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Now let's think about that. Come over to Hebrews chapter 1. You can stick, some, stick that note thing there into, into Luke 1. Okay? Hebrews 1, verse number 3. When we talk about the highest, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. We're talking about God the Father. Hebrews 1, verse 3. Who, being the brightness of His glory, the who here is the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? That, verse 2 there, uh, by His Son. Who? By His Son, being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. And upholding all things by the power, by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sin, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So if you're the majesty on high, then what are you? You're the highest. There's no one higher than you. So we're talking here about the, 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 um, the Father. So here's God the Father, the, the highest. Come back to Luke 9, and he's going to overshadow her. Luke chapter 9. Just kind of picture, so here we got God the Father in action, and he's going to come in, 
and he's going to come up and he's going to overshadow Mary. And he's going to do some things. Luke 9, look at verse 34. Just get the idea, get the picture of this overshadowing. Get the picture of the highest, God the Father, and overshadowing. Luke 9, 34. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them. Now, this is the Mount of Transfiguration, okay? So, Peter, James, and John, and the Lord are up on the mountain. And the mountain come, the, the shadow, a cloud, and overshadows them. And they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. What was in the cloud? See, that's usually the question, what's in the cloud? But the cloud comes, and there's a voice from it. So the description of the Father is a cloud that comes and overshadows the event. Come back, uh, come over to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew 17. Matthew 17. Matthew 17 and verse 5. Here's Matthew's verse on this same event. Matthew 17, verse number 5. So when we think about the highest, there's the Father. He's the majesty on high. And he's going to overshadow a cloud, overshadow Mary. What's he doing? Matthew 17, verse 5. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. So coming, by the way, Mark 9, 7, same thing, overshadowed. So the Lord is described, come back to Exodus 40. And let's see what's in the cloud. Exodus 40. So the Lord, the Father, is described in Scripture as a cloud that overshadows. Okay? So this cloud is going to come and overshadow Mary. There's going to be some, some things that are going to happen here. And they're going to overshadow Mary. And when the highest overshadows Mary, the cloud has already overshadowed him. He's already there. Look at Exodus 40. We're talk Moses here is setting up the tabernacle. Verse 34. Exodus 40, verse 34. Verse 33. And he reared up the court round about, uh, uh, round about the tabernacle and the altar and set up the hanging of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. What's in the cloud? The glory of the Lord. The cloud, picture of the Father, overshadowing Mary. And what's he filling Mary full of? The glory. The glory of the Lord. The picture here, Mary, the angel tells Mary, that the highest is going to overshadow you. Just like the, cl the cloud that covered the tabernacle, that cloud that, that covers the glory, that contains the glory of the Lord. And so Mary is, going, is engulfed. She's, she's going to enjoy the cloud of the overshadowing. And what's inside is the glory of the Lord. When that cloud goes before Israel, remember the cloud goes before and shows the way? And then at night, it's a, what, remember, what is it at night? The pillar of fire and the glory. All of that is pictures 
And Mary is going to be, she's, okay, Gabriel, Mary, the Father's going to come, and he's going to overshadow you with the glory, with the cloud, with glory. You're, you're highly favored. Now come back to Luke 1. Luke 1, in verse 35. So we've got the Father, the highest, shall overshadow thee. How does he do it? It's a cloud, and it contains the glory of the Lord. But then he says, to her, therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And that brings us to the holy thing. So think, now just draw the picture. You've got to think. I know it's Sunday morning and it's Christmas and it's, we sang a couple holiday songs and everything. But you're going to think about this. Bible studies thinking and then rejoicing and, and getting excited. The Father overshadows Mary, fills her womb with the glory personified. In, in this new temple, this new body that's being formed in her womb, the thing, but not just the thing, the holy thing. See, there's something going on in Mary's womb that's never been done before. Abraham and Sarah, you remember? God says, you will have a seed. Abraham goes, nah, dude, I'm 100. She's 100. That ain't happening. He goes, no, you're going to have a seed. God does not enter Sarah's womb and cause her and do all that like he's doing Mary here. This is a supernatural event. She doesn't, she's known no man. How is this going to happen? He goes, it's okay. The Father's going to come, overshadow you. What's in, what's in that cloud? The glory and you know what's going to happen? He's going to fill your womb with glory personified in that body of, of that baby that's going to become the Lord Jesus Christ. Come over to John chapter 1. Got to think about this. I know what everybody does with the holy thing. They, you know, and they want to destroy your Bible about it. But there's something very wonderful happening here. John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Where was God? In the Word? Boom. Verse 14 is the verse. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now watch. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When they beheld the, the Word made flesh, the incarnation, when they beheld the Lord Jesus Christ, what does verse 14 say they're looking at? The glory personified, the glory bodily, there he is. Now come over to chapter 2 of John. That is what the father just put in Mary's womb, overshadowed Mary's womb with, the glory personified. Now look at John 2 and verse 19, because this helps us here. Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will rise it up. <laughs> they, they don't quite like that. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of what? His body. Ain't that interesting? He wasn't talking about the four, the four-walled building. He's talking about who? Himself. Now, in your mind, because we just were there two minutes ago, well, maybe five minutes ago, Exodus 40 in verse 34, what did the glory of the Lord fill? 
the temple, the tabernacle. And the, the, son, the, the Lord just says, my body is the tabernacle. What's he doing with Mary? Overshadows her, fills her womb with glory. Now there's going to be the production of a body, and that body is going to contain what? The glory. You see how that's just wonderful. He's doing something here supernatural, never done before. Come over to Colossians 2. And verse number 9, you know the verse. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. What did he do? Before the world began, they made an agreement. We're going to provide redemption for mankind. And here's how we're going to do it. Son, you're going to go down there and you're going to have to go and walk among men and be born of a man. And Actually, he doesn't even say son. He says, here's the plan. Somebody's got to go do this because the Lord, Philippians 2, we're going to get over there. He chose to do this himself. He's not compelled. He's not put under a strainer. He's not put under, uh, look at Philippians 2 and verse 5 and follow. He, he goes, he goes, this is going to do this, and you're going to be born of a woman, a virgin over here because you can't have that sin taint but you have to be kin to man, so we're going to do this. And then when that happens, I'm going to come in and overshadow, and we're going to fill you up, and you're going to be the Godhead bodily. Philippians 2, verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Was he God? Yes. Is he God? Yes. But, uh uh-oh, the Father made him. No, it's not what the verse says. But made himself. You know what he did? He willingly chose to do this. Nobody held a gun to his head. Nobody made him do it. Nobody forced him. You know what he said? I see the plan of the Father, the redemptive plan, the total of the plan, all of it. I see value in it, and I'm going to play that. I want to play that role right there. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to go. Let's go. The the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit looks at it and says, I see the value of it all, and I want to be involved in it, and I'm going to play. If he's taking that that role, then I'm going to take this role, and I'm going to be the one causing all of the record to be written and all of this activity to happen. And the father says, good, I'm glad you guys did that because this is the role that I will play. He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. Now watch, and was made in the likeness of men and being found and fashioned as a man. (laughs) You know what he is? He took on the form of a servant. The angels are servants, ministering spirits, Hebrews calls them. But man's made a what? A little lower than the angel? You know what he did? He said, what's the servant ranking out there? I want the low man on the totem pole. I want that bottom feeder down there. That's the one I want to go as. There he is. God takes mud, dirt, and makes man. So you're a dirt man. He goes, I want to be the dirt man. That's the one I want. Father says, okay. That's the one you're going to get. Found as fashioned as a man. Fashion, fashion show. Put it all on display. Here's what it's to look like. Here's what perfect man is to look like. Come over to Hebrews chapter 10. By the way, we didn't finish that. He, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. 
even the death of the cross. The death of Calvary, the cross work of Calvary, was him willingly choosing to do it of his own volition, his own decision, in obedience to the will of the Father and the plan of the Father. So when the Father overshadows Mary, fills her with the glory, that glory is the glory that's going to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that holy thing that is formed in her womb is the very body that is going to be and house and hold and transport and, and have available for the Lord to interact with the creation is that body. Hebrews chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews quoting Psalms in verse number 5. The end of that verse, well, verse 5, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. I didn't come to do my will. I come to do your will, Lord. Father, I'm here doing your And you know what? You prepared a body for me. So the holy thing is the body, the human body, that's now going to house the Lord Jesus Christ that was prepared for this event. No human father, because you can't have the sin, no, the sin taint. Sinless humanity. There he is. Now come back to Luke 1. You see a lot of stuff going on here other than just, you know, lowly shepherds in the field, bah, you know, and all that stuff that you see in tradition. There's things happening here. Here's the highest. The angel tells Gabriel, Gabriel tells Mary, here's what's going to happen. The father, the highest is going to come. He's going to overshadow you. He's going to fill you with glory. And that glory is then going to inhabit the holy thing that's going to be born of you, that body, that little baby that's going to grow into the Messiah, that's going to grow into the Redeemer. There he is. But watch verse 35, because look at who it started with. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest. Therefore also that holy thing, the holy thing, the baby, the body, is the end of a formula here. It's an end of some activity. Now we started with the Father, because I wanted you to see the overshadowing and what's happening, and the result. But it begins with the work of the Holy Ghost. And this is where the, to me, is just, you've got to sit for hours and contemplate this. Because of the work of the Holy Ghost here, what's the Holy Ghost going to do? It's going to come upon thee. And what we see here is a picture of the power of the Godhead at work. Come back with me to Genesis chapter 1. Because we get a picture of what, when, the, when the Holy Ghost comes upon Mary, what's he doing? What's, we get, so we get a picture of it in Genesis 1, 1 and 2 and 3. And we get a, this scene, shine, we get a spotlight shined into what's happening within Mary's womb. You've got the Father you got the Son, you got now the Holy Ghost. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. 
and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the faces of what? The waters. Okay, so we water, by the way, water in your by in scripture is judgment. It's it's used in judgment, the flood, judgment. So when you so now we have one one, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And then in 1-2, we have an introduction of judgment without form and void. Without form and void, judgment, no what? No life. So there's no life in Genesis 1-2. And yet, what did the Spirit do? He moved across the, the waters. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light. Now we have an introduction of what? Life. We have introduction of life as the Holy Ghost does what? Moves across that water. As when the Holy Ghost comes to Mary, it's the same picture. He comes to Mary. Here's her womb. She's known not a man. How am I going to have a child? And what does he do? The Holy Ghost moves across that embonic fluid. Moves across her womb, the waters of her womb. And when he does that, what does he do? He implants life. And here's Mary's womb. No chance of life. She's, known, she's not been in a motherly way at all, ever. The Holy Ghost comes in and begins to, to work. He moves upon the face of Mary's womb. And he begins to generate life. And Mary's womb lacks the opportunity to produce life on her own. And yet here comes the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and he begins to develop in the, in the, in the embryonic fluid, in the, in the waters, a new body. By the way, and God said, let there be light. And now the newness is growing in Genesis 1 out of a dark, dead situation. Now we have life. And Mary now houses the body, the temple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what fills that temple is the glory of the Lord. And you have all three members of the Godhead actively involved in this one seemingly skipped over event in church history. Here's the Virgin Mary. She knows no, no man. And Gabriel says, it's okay, because the Holy Ghost is going to come in and he's going to generate life in your dead womb. And the Father's going to come and overshadow that event with the glory of the Lord. And the, the, what's going to be produced is the body, the very holy thing that's going to carry around the Son of God and the glory of the Lord, the glory of God. Come back to Luke chapter 2. And you're going to be mom. And you're going to be the one. And it starts that fast. It's done. Do you know that when the angels sing in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came, and they began to sing praises. 
Verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. They begin to say, you know that that's at the birth and never at the conception. Do you know who was at the conception? God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And Mary. (laughs) I was getting there. Why? Because that's a private thing. To a little handmaiden that was very faithful all the way to the end. By the way, who does Mary end up picturing in her life? The nation of Israel. And as the nation of Israel, who is she? She's the mother of the Messiah. Who is Israel producing? The Messiah. The one who's going to come and take Israel and get Israel set where they can then go out and be the blessings to the Gentile nations. It's Mary. Glory to God in the highest. Verse 15, And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing. Isn't that interesting? Which has come to pass. The thing, the event, the birth which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad and saying, which was told them concerning this child. And the most wonderful thing really is verse 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. She kept the conversation between her and Gabriel a secret until Dr. Luke talked to her. And we spill our guts when we talk to our doctors, at least. And as he is recounting the event of the conversation between her and Gabriel, by the way, who's writing Luke 1? The Holy Ghost. As they write and as she's recounting it, and the Holy Ghost goes, yeah, we don't want to miss that important component. Because who is our Savior? He's sinless man who went and died at Calvary for you and I. That's who he is. He was never, by the way, that babe in the manger grew up. Don't all kids grow up? At least we hope. (laughs) That kid grew up. Her birth was a normal birth. If you're a mom and have given birth or been around, you normal. He had a normal childhood that a Hebrew Bible-believing family would have had. In other words, he was exposed to the Word of God, the Old Testament. He knew he increased in favor and stature and wisdom. He had the Word of God. He's go, he begins the earthly ministry. Do you know in the, his earth, the early days of his earthly ministry, his family, he had at least seven or eight, nine, ten, ten sisters and brothers? He had, there were stepbrothers and sisters. You know, they had nothing to do with him as he began his earthly ministry. They thought he was a nutcase, a kook job. But in the end, they were right there with him. Very interesting. But here's this little, little all three members of the Godhead are at the womb doing something that they never did before and they've never done since. Because who is he? 
He is the Savior of all men, especially them that believe. Come over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I realize that this is the Christmas season, and this is probably not what you thought about a Christmas message. Linda asked me if I'm doing a Christmas message. I said, yeah, yeah, sure. (laughs) And I realize that sometimes we have issues with the so-called Christmas season. And I get that, and I'm with you. But let me encourage you that not only is there, again, the scriptural evidence that things did happen around this time, but not the birth. But let me encourage you to take the moment, because this is a tremendous opportunity, to talk to family and friends about our Savior. Because they're concentrated in on what? The birth of Christ and the season, the reason for the season. It offers a tremendous opportunity to get the word out in a very effective manner because now people are paying attention to Scripture. So you begin to talk to them. So rather than abusing the season, let us first rejoice in our great Savior and then go get this wonderful message of His love and grace out to others. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15, Paul puts here at the very end, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And I think about that. God, there's God the Father. What is his unspeakable gift? His Son, the Savior. The gift of God is eternal life. Where do I get eternal life? In the shed blood of my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. See what's, boy, what a much better way than say, here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus. Okay? That's a great song, by the way, kind of peppy, you know. You guys listen to 99.9, the, oh, golly. I'm two minutes in, off, 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 you know. Okay? Those are great, th- they're fun, they're, they're good. Don't, don't get mad because the preacher doesn't listen to it. You listen to it, that's what you do, that's fine. But, oh, the far better thing is what? That before the world began, the Godhead said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to provide eternal life for man because they're going to need it. And here's the plan, and here's the game plan, and here's how he's going to do it. And the whole of the three members of the Godhead stood up and said, we're going to participate. We're going to do it. We're going to be here. We're going to do this. I'm going to do that. And they go, okay, great. And they went, and they did it. And you know what happened? Gabriel goes. That, that event triggers Gabriel talking to Mary and giving Mary the details of how her, the conception is going to happen, how the Holy Spirit's going to come, how the Father's going to work, how that, that little baby boy that's born is the Son of God, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And then how he's going to go. And he's going to die for the world, for the sins of the world. Now, kept secret in his pocket is how it impacts you and I, the Gentiles. Now it's simply by faith, trusting in the shed blood, that we get what? We get that gift of eternal life. You don't have to walk an aisle. You don't have to shake my hand. You don't have to say hello or anything. Just in the privacy of your own heart, faith is a private matter. Between you and God, make that, I need the Savior, He died for me, and that's what I need. 
You can't get it. You're a sinner. You struggle. You know that. I don't even have to tell you. You know that. But he died for that sin. And then he said, all you have to do is trust me. You don't have to, we don't have a baptismal. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do any of the religious activity. If I said you had to walk the aisle, you'd ask the question, which foot do I start with? Would, no, it's just simply trusting. The moment you do, you pass from death to life in Christ. You move from the old man into the new man. What a great day it is to be a saint of the Most High. And I get there by trusting that his son died for me and was buried, and he rose again the third day. So he's a living God. It all started back over here with a conversation between Mary and Gabriel. And as Gabriel talks and Dill is out, guess what's happening? Here comes the Spirit, here comes the Father. And you know what? By the time Gabriel is done speaking with her, when she says, I'm the handmaiden of the Lord, let it be, it was done. Because then she goes and visits Elizabeth. And the first person to identify the Lord Jesus Christ was the unborn baby of John the Baptist as the two babies leaped in the wombs in the visit. It was done that quickly, that quietly, that privately. Why? Because he's the Savior of the world. It's a wonderful time, folks. Okay? Don't, I don't want you to I, they go 135. I just see those details. Wonderful things. Think about them. Contemplate them. Rejoice in them. And use the opportunity that we have with family and friends because their guards are a little down now and we can talk about things. Okay? All right. Dear Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the instructions here. The look into the scene around your birth and around what is happening and around what is going on. And while we don't get caught up in all the commercialism and all the paganism, we do rejoice that at this late date in the year, you were doing something that was the, the miracle of Christmas, and that was the conception with, of Mary. And we rejoice in that, and we thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, we'll be...